0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeviews. Thanks for braiding the weather as we gather together. Uh, This is really a key time for us as a church to uh, worship in his name. And and, uh, I just appreciated the the songs this morning because it really does flow into what I'm going to be speaking about today. Um, We're talking about emotions, and every song that we sang this morning uh, speaks of the promises of God and how his word directs us. It becomes the foundation and the confidence for our life. And this is what this series is about. All the things that we feel and we encounter, which are very real to us, how does God's word and him speaking to us and his presence of guiding us in our lives, how does that help us in the middle of all the things that we feel? And if you've been here, I hope this series has been a help to you personally so far. Uh, For all of us, we have different emotions that probably tend to impact us more than others. Uh, We kicked off the series talking about just the overview of emotions, uh, how they're a part of our human existence. They're actually a gift from God. They add a layer and a depth to the human experience. But because of sin and brokenness, our emotions can also really lead us down the wrong paths uh, based on the things that we feel. And so the key to this series is how do we identify the emotions that we feel and how do we evaluate them, specifically when they uh, cause us to act In a certain way. And so if you've missed any of this series, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we have uh, all of our services streaming on our YouTube uh, page, which is just Ridgeview Church Fontana. We also podcast the sermon every week. And so you might want to subscribe to those things. That way it gets kind of automatically put into the source of your communication. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, But you can always catch up. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, anger. Last week, we talked about fear. And today uh, we're talking about uh, sadness and uh, discouragement, and maybe maybe even like despair. And so, uh, the main emotions so far: anger, fear, and sadness. Just take a moment for yourself. Of those three, what emotion impacts you personally the most? Just take a moment just to think about that. Just kind of what's the thought that comes to your mind? Okay. On the count of three, I want you to yell that emotion out. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, that was a mix. Heard fear, heard sadness, heard anger. And that's to prove the point. Like, we we all face different things. We all experience similar emotions. Like, we all deal with anger. We all do. We all deal with fear. We all deal with sadness, what we're going to talk about today. But again, this series is about helping you to identify where you might get into trouble the most. And so this series is very heavy on lots of different scriptures to give your just a perspective of emotions plus the specific ways to respond. And so today, uh, just like we've spent the rest of the time, I encourage you, take out your listening guide. Uh, every week we have that, that has all the scriptures listed. Uh, that serves as really the springboard for your own learning. So anytime you're at church and you hear uh, me, like the pastor, speak, uh, we want to give you tools. We want to give you resources. We want you to get into God's word for yourself. But ultimately, that's going to happen in the days, and the weeks that follow our gathering And so, use this time to give you a sense of what the scripture says. And then I encourage you to to get into that to yourself. Uh, The Christian life is really made up of us pursuing God as He has pursued us. And as we look to Him and as we spend time with Him, just like any relationship, uh, that relationship grows. And the more that you learn and you decide to take action based on what you learn about who God is, then you see God come through. And as you see God come through, your trust grows. And as your trust grows, your confidence grows. And that's just like what God wants us to experience. He is a good, trustworthy God that we can put our confidence in. And so as you're sorting through these things, I do encourage you, spend the time that you need to continue to learn on your own. And I I encourage you uh, to do that. So let's dig into uh, sadness. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of emojis. Anyone like you really like emojis, you text emojis a lot. Here's the sadness emoji. And these emojis have, have actually evolved like, that kind of actually brings an emotional reaction to me when I see it. Like, that's a pretty good, like, that's sad. You see that person, and, and that's sad. I don't know how many sad emojis you uh, you spend. Maybe it's more like the, the the crying of laughter emoji. That's one of my popular ones I like to send. But if you're sending somebody this type of an emoji, you're identifying like, man, there's something that's that's actually really, really sad going on. And when you see this, uh, an emotion comes. You, you can identify, okay, someone's, trying to communicate something that's bringing uh, just sadness to them or or a loss to them. And so it's very interesting in our current communication how so many resources are spent, even in how we can communicate through characters like this. What do they communicate? Our emotions. They communicate the way that, that we feel. And so I wanna spend some time talking about what triggers sadness. Besides, this series is all about being triggered. What causes us to feel a certain way? And so I want to just talk about that briefly. First, uh, anytime we experience sadness, a lot of times there's, there's loss. Uh, you've experienced loss in your life. I've experienced loss in my life. This could be um, just a loved one. We lose the people that we love. And that can be great sadness. So again, emotion and what God gives, even in sadness, is a way to show us what's really important. Anytime that you lose somebody and you have sadness, there's an indicator that that relationship and the gift of that relationship is very important. That's actually a good thing. Jesus himself experienced sadness at loss. He himself wept. He experienced the crushing blow of of loss, and and we do too. We can also experience the loss of a job or status of a goal, and that can bring great status. This can be just internal, things that we had hoped that that we lost out on. And there's varying degrees of the way that we feel that. Uh, We can also experience disappointment or a disappointing outcome. There is something that you really wanted to happen, and it didn't happen. And if you place your kind of hopes on something happening, and it doesn't happen, that that leads to sadness. And that sadness is linked to that, that disappointment. And then there's another type of sadness, which can be triggered to us, which is just discouragement. Uh, this can also be depression. There's just something that's discouraging you. Um, if you're in a relationship and you really hope that that relationship would be something that it's not, it's very discouraging. There's many of you that have uh, even grown kids and your, your hopes and dreams for your kids aren't matching the reality that you hope for them, and that can bring just discouragement. You can be in a relationship even with a spouse that's discouraging because it doesn't feel like you guys are on the same page. Uh, that brings great sadness through discouragement. You can also look at the world, and I don't know if this can be you, but again, we talked about this this last week. The more news and the more in tune you are with what's happening in the world, the more fear that you experience. And actually, it can be the same with sadness. The more that you see what's happening in the world, the more your sadness can grow. And many times, that can be discouraging. Because there's not a day that you're going to wake up that there's not something discouraging and sad happening in the world. And with today with our news cycle and our access to all sorts of information, we can be sad about things that we didn't even know about 20 years ago. We're just connected all over the place. And so there's no shortage of things that, that can discourage us. Uh, like I've done every week of the series, I wanna talk about the elevation of sadness because uh, just like anger and just like fear, uh, that is a general term, but there's a lot of layers to that. And so if you will, I just wanna give you a sense of how sadness uh, grows as we experience it. Uh, It starts, and you'll see this, it starts with disappointment. That leads to feeling discouraged, distraught, resigned, helpless, hopeless, misery, despair, and anguish. And so the lower level of sadness is disappointment. So when you experience disappointment, there's something going on in you where the sadness is beginning to brew a little bit. There's something there that's triggering this feeling of loss or discouragement or rejection. And it starts on this disappointment. When you're in anguish and when you're in despair, what that means is there is a loss or discouragement that either has been building over time or the loss is so high that sometimes you skip right over all those feelings. You go straight to that despair because of what happens. This is like tragic loss that you didn't see coming. Now, each of these gives us a real experience and it impacts our feelings. A disappointment oftentimes comes from just an expectation that we had that, That didn't get met. So one of the things you want to watch out for in life is just the expectations that you have. For me, I realize I don't often realize, and I said realize a lot there, the amount of things that I have expectations about. But I don't realize my expectations until the disappointment comes. And so often I kind of have to retrace my steps, follow my emotion to realize like, oh, well, I had an idea here of something that I expected to happen. And that leads to the disappointment, which is linked to that expectation. A discouraged, usually that feeling is that something can't be done. Have you felt that this past week in your life or recently? You're up against something. You're experiencing something. You just think to yourself, it can't be done. Most of the time, that's rooted in discouragement. When you're distraught, uh, you can't think clearly. That sadness emotion just can cloud our judgment just like anger can, just like fear. But, but we, we can't think clearly. It, it impacts and distorts our, our perspective. The feeling of being resigned is like nothing can be done. You ever had that feeling in something? where somebody asks, how how can I help you? What can we do? And you just say nothing. And sometimes that's true. There's things that you and I may face in our life linked to loss and sadness, and only God can do it. But the difference between nothing can be done to God can do it is is a big shift you have to make because there's nothing too far from God to help us with. But there are situations where maybe People can't help in a specific way except for just praying and helping through that. Now, we can get to the point of just feeling helpless. There's nothing that can make it feel better. Hopeless, uh, no good can, can occur. Misery, just intensely unhappy. Just doesn't matter. You, you wake up and it just feels like you are, are walking with concrete blocks on your legs. Sadness really impacts us. That's what that discouragement, that deep discouragement, can lead to discouragement. It's just like, I want to make progress, and I'm entering this place of just depression. It's linked to that misery and then that despair. There's no hope for change. And then the anguish, just deep sorrow, deep grief. And again, that's linked to a, a deep depression. I don't think I've started a sermon ever before going this low so quick. But what's very interesting is this is what happens. You talk about things related to sadness, and I'm sure already today there's things in your life which is linked back to the loss that you've experienced or that disappointment or that discouragement. Because, again, life is not filled with everything that's bright and sunny. In fact, life feels a lot like the weather today. Isn't it interesting when you even look at the weather how that impacts us? It's gloomy. It's cold. You look outside. It feels miserable. You're not motivated as much. And that's a lot of what happens inside. With the storms that we experience in our life, the gloom that's over us, it's very hard to move forward. And so I want to encourage you, as you look at this, just like we've looked at the rest of the emotions, the key is to notice when the feelings are starting early. So at the point that you're disappointed about something and you're discouraged, I want to encourage you. As you relate to God and get to know him, one of the greatest things you can do in your relationship with him is talk to him frequently about what you're disappointed about. Oftentimes we internalize disappointment. We don't even know it's in there. But if you can shift disappointment and especially discouragement to God and bring him in, that's your greatest ally you have, the Lord Jesus himself, who understands you and sees you and he can help you. And I wanna encourage you as well. Have friends in your life that you can call, you can text, you can just say, hey, I need your prayer. I'm really battling discouragement right now, and I've talked to God about it, and he's helping me, but would you pray for me as well? I have people in my life that I have to do this to. I just feel like I'm just under that cloud a little bit, and you need people in your life you can do that too as well. So try to kind of recognize where that disappointment and discouragement starts, and uh, One thing that happens if you don't deal with it early, and as you battle in sadness, a few things shift. And so I want to tie in a couple more thoughts. Uh, Sadness uh, causes us to shift our focus. First, it shifts our focus to the past, myself, and getting into self pity. Now, have you blown it in your life and you've been disappointed with yourself? You ever experienced that? Maybe you said something to someone you love. It could be your kids. It could be a spouse. It could be a dear friend. And you just said something, and you know it was wrong. You know it was out of bounds, and it wasn't building them up. It actually maybe pushed them down, and you just are sad even just by your own behavior. Many times in my life I've experienced that. But what happens is if you mess up and you don't deal with that disappointment, you don't make it right and ask for forgiveness for the sins that you've done, You really easily can stay stuck on the past. Oh, like the regret. Like, why did I do that? And then that shifts to the myself because it's like, why did I? Why did I do that? Or if somebody did something to you, it's the same. Why did they do that to me? And you can stew and process and mull, and you can stay here. And notice what it leads to. It gets into self-pity. If you're focused on self-pity, you literally lose heart. Like there there's not motivation. I I saw this meme recently that I thought was interesting, which is tied to this. And you you might relate if you're not a singer, but whenever I have a problem, I just sing that I know my voice is a lot worse than my problem. <laughs> That's kind of like an Eeyore quote. You guys know Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore? My voice is terrible. That's also uh the character from Ray Romano. What's his name? Brat uh I, I, Forget it. Um, but when you when you deal with this, even things that could be like, okay, I'm going to sing, and then you hear your own voice like, I'm not even a good singer. I'm out of tune. And it's very interesting. All the things that you do, if they're coming from a self-pity place, it just leads often to more self-pity. The idea is like you're in the pit of sadness, and it just kind of keeps just you kinda keep sinking and keeps sinking, and then you focus on yourself, you focus on your past, and you can't get past it. And then that leads to being slack, kind of giving up on our responsibilities, which damages our stewardship. Each one of us have been given uh, something that God's given us to do. So if you're a student, you're young, uh, one of your stewardships is, is schoolwork. If you have a job, one of your stewardships is working your job. If you live in a space, one of your jobs is cleaning up after yourself, like chores and all the things that... Uh, aren't motivating a lot, but when you get into sadness, that that motivation is even less. I don't know if you've ever been here in life where just getting out of bed is tough. Oftentimes, if you struggle with discouragement and depression, um, getting out of bed is a battle. Just like, I, there's why would you get out of bed? It just seems like there, there's no reason uh, to do this. And then If you make that choice to not get out of bed, what what tends to happen is then the things that you needed to do don't get done. And then you didn't do the things that you needed to do and that leads to getting into more self-pity. And you you could see how these two feed each other. Have you experienced that before? I know I have. You get into self-pity, you're not motivated. You're not motivated, you don't do what you need to do. You don't do what you need to do and then you beat yourself up and you get into more self-pity. You see how that's why depression and discouragement... Is such an issue, and we can get caught in it without realizing. Um, this past week, I decided what are the saddest songs of all time? I just did a search on Wednesday, Googled it. And what was so fascinating is that as I did the research and I'm reading the stories, I began to actually get like discouraged myself. That's what actually happens, and and I bring this up only because what we don't realize is sometimes when we get into self-pity and we don't want to do things, we end up pursuing and consuming things that feed our sadness. Movies, depressing movies, depressing music can actually grow like this melancholy approach to life. Uh, A couple of songs which, which I knew, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. It's one of the saddest songs of all time. He wrote that for his son that died. And you read the you know the lyrics to the song, and it's interesting. You get into this place where if you're not doing well, and then you read or listen to this song, it, it actually kind of feeds it. And art is a way of expressing what we feel. But you have to be careful that art and media and the things that we consume don't grow it in a way that's that's harmful. Because again, I was just doing well, and I started and then uh, cats in the cradle. Anyone heard that before? I was going to play it, and I'm like, you know what? We don't need to go any further down today. Uh, that's actually a song about uh, regret. Regret not spending time with the people that you love. It was actually written kind of with his son in mind, and he actually died early. And his son talked about, and this is, I think, the, the meaningful side of it. His son, uh, it was written by, by Harry Chapin, and his son uh, would actually have people that would come to him all the time and say, your dad's song actually helped me connect back with a loved one. That's like the, the positive side. It, it gives you kind of a, an alarm, a wake-up call. So then I, I listened to the song, and then I had a daddy-daughter date with my daughter right after, and it kind of impacted me. And I'm, and I'm telling her about the song, and I'm singing it, and she's like, hey, like, I don't really want to hear this right now. And I'm like, yeah, but we've got to make the most of this time. And I was, I was like, oh, wow, I was totally like sucked into the emotion of it all. And I can tend to, I kind of like that. Like, I'm very, like, nostalgic. Like, I like to kind of explore emotion, but you have to be careful because it can impact you. My own life is a case study of that. And so these two things are really what you have to watch out for specifically to sadness, discouragement, disappointment. I want to shift and talk about how God responds. We've kind of set the stage here for the feelings, how it impacts us. But without how God responds, we're just left like our culture is left, like our world is left, where you just have to figure out how to filter and deal with your emotions. But for us, as Christ followers, we know that there is a God who speaks in to our emotions, who can help guide what we feel, who can help us even in the moments of our disappointment and even in the moments of our our deep loss. And so I want to spend some time giving you a a biblical overview of, of God and sadness. And actually, this should help you give just a sense of this God who made us, who loves us, who's not far off, but draws near. And he actually is there with us to comfort us in times of sadness. First thing is he's aware of our sadness and he cares for us. I read this this past week in Psalm 56, and it was very encouraging to me. I don't know if it was because I was sorting through the saddest songs of all time or or what it was, but Psalm 56, 8, it says, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Now, that word tossings, we, we don't use much, but literally, this is written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, and that word tossings means wanderings. The idea is when you have a loss in your life, it throws off your your equilibrium, if you will, your direction. It's like you don't quite know how to move forward. As I've, in my own life, dealt with loss and as I've counseled people in their loss, so many times people are just trying to describe that feeling and that period of time in mourning and in the tragedy of just, I lost all sense of how to move forward. And this is speaking to that. He's kept count of my wanderings. He's kept count of my lostness. He's kept count of the times I didn't know the way up and I didn't know the way to go. I, I, I felt lost. And he put the tears in the bottle. Like he, no tear that shed goes beyond his reach or his watch. Like he sees us. Not how many times in my life where I felt like I'm wondering and I'm unsure of what to do. And and God says, "Why? Well, I, I see you. I see what you're facing. And I'm going to help you." He's aware. He's not surprised. And he cares. Here's another promise. Uh, He's near to the brokenhearted. I think that's one of the greatest encouragements. When you are sad and when you feel broken, there's a promise of Scripture which says he is near. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This is why it's so important to get to know God's word for yourself. People think that there's just certain human emotions and we have to go talk to professionals and mental health professionals to help us get in tune. And then we have this living God that actually says, you know what? If you're broken, I will draw near to you and I will save you if you're crushed. The Bible is very real about emotions. God is very real. Broken hearted here, it means like you might expect to be just broken and shattered into pieces. Not only are you lost, but it just feels like things have fallen apart and they're shattered, crushed. The crushed in spirit literally is just like this powder or this dust. It's actually kind of tied to being humiliated. So back to that idea of you've done something that causes disappointment and discouragement based on something you've done. That's speaking of this being crushed. If you've ever been crushed because of your own sin, you've been crushed because of a decision that you've made, a response that you gave to somebody you love, he actually saves you. The idea is as you turn to him, there's forgiveness. And as you turn to him, his power is made real for you to build on the rubble of the things that have unraveled in your life. Another truth is God gives great joy amid great difficulty. And I've experienced this in in my own life. He's the God of all comfort. Psalm 4, it says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Uh, The Psalms are are poetry. And as you might expect, poetry actually does a great great way of identifying our emotion and then speaking truth into it. So these thoughts are to be something we think about more, to ponder. But notice the comparison. The idea of grain and wine abounding, this is the idea of like the feast. Everything's going well. We're, We're in party mode. There's no shortage of things to party about. But actually, there's more joy that the Lord puts than any party you can experience. That is, the, the temporary feelings of life being good are not even as great as the hard things when the Lord puts joy in you. That's very counterintuitive. But if you experience the joy of the Lord in the middle of hard things, you know that no temporary feeling of good can compare to the lasting joy, even in the middle of, of hard things. I wanna also give an example of scripture of the story of Job. Now, anytime you read uh, the story of Job and you talk about sadness, it's a case study that's very helpful, but it's also pretty overwhelming. And if you're familiar with the story of Job, it's one of the greatest pictures of loss and tragedy and depression and discouragement. And it's difficult beyond oftentimes what we can even comprehend because Job was a righteous man that lost everything. And it's this picture of what does a faithful person do when the bottom falls out? What do you do when it seems like everything is going fine and everything seems together and your life seems all put together? And he was a wealthy man. He had much to lose. And I think the point of the story is at any time in our life, we have to realize that as everything that could be going good can be good and then... We can't put our confidence in those things. Job could have had great confidence in all of his relationships. He could have great confidence in all of his resources and all of his wealth and his status. And so the point is, how do you place your confidence when things begin to unravel in your life? And one of the greatest lessons for me is even just the lesson of oftentimes in the Christian life, we want our lives to seem like they're put together. That is, we want people to think we have it all together, and Job's example is like his life was together, and then it unraveled, and he had to face just his own, just fragile life before God. And so, life is very fragile. And so, um, I'm going to kind of catch up on a little backdrop. The first thing that happened in his just terrible experience of trouble, uh, his servant his servants were attacked again. He was wealthy; he had servants. Um, they were killed, except one who brought a message. His oxen, his donkeys, so his property, his wealth was destroyed. Next, a fire fell from the sky, burned up the vast number of flocks and herds. His camels were stolen, and they were carried off. So already you think, okay, everything he had, his confidence, his status, his wealth uh, was taken away. Then the final blow, and this is where it's hard to even fathom. His sons and daughters were feasting at his older brother's house, and a mighty wind swept and the house collapsed and killed his children. So on one hand, it's like, okay, you can deal with stuff and animals and different things, but but my own family. But Job, he, he, he chose to respond in faith, and I want to give you an overview of, of how he did this. First, Job praised God even in the loss. This is very difficult to do. Uh, Job one twenty says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. Uh, when you read that, that might seem odd. But in the Old Testament, a sign of mourning was the idea of, like, tearing this robe in despair. It's kind of this picture of, like, uh, life is not together anymore. And the tearing of this robe and the shaving of the head... Um, it's this idea of like, we have received bad news, which has changed everything. And he's grieving. And you see that by his actions. And so he's not acting like this didn't happen. He's grieving. But then he fell on the ground and he, and he worshiped. So Job is the example of in the middle of all these things. And he went straight to the, the last part of sadness. There's misery, there's anguish, but he chose to worship. The idea is that, God, I, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. His actions spoke very loud. Second, God gave everything, and he has the right to take it away. So he had a, an understanding of the gifts that God has given. Job one twenty one. the next verse, and he said, "'Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.'" What an amazing response in faith. I have the, the tendency to think, like, that's not even fair. But the idea is, like, the God, has, God had given him this. It flowed from the hand of God. And although Job was a wealthy man, who was a faithful man, who had skill, and he was able to manage what God had given him, he realized that all of life flowed from the hand of God. Third, he refused to blame God for doing wrong. It's the next verse. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Uh, this was the test. Not only was it the worship of God and put his confidence and his help in him, but he was not going to sin and charge God. He was going to trust them, even how he didn't know it was going to turn out. It goes further. Uh, he did not sin with his lips. Job 2 uh, 9 through 10. Uh, when I get sad or when I get discouraged, It's very easy for the mouth to open and just express whatever we feel. That's actually what happens with strong emotions. Anytime you have a strong emotional reaction, you have to be careful. Because you could be saying something that seems so true to you, but it may not actually be true. It could be an opinion. It could be just something that you're you're feeling. So watch out for strong reactions. And Job was very, very careful Uh, in chapter 2. This is a picture of his wife coming into the story here. And then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, it may seem like, Job's wife, what are you thinking? But could you imagine being Job's wife and all this has happened? Think of the despair and everything that she had experienced. Like just in a way, like, just get this over with. Verse 10, but he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. This is where you're kind of a little nervous if you're near this exchange. Oh, I think they're having a little marital spat here. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Pretty remarkable. And finally, he accepted and submitted to God what God had done, even when it was trouble. Uh, Job 13, 15, it says, "'Though he slay me, I will hope in him.'" yet I will argue my ways to his face. Like, I'm gonna try to make sense out of this. He knew that he was gonna meet God face to face if he died. And in that moment, everything will make sense. Now, I wanna speak just a little bit about the sovereignty of God. Because in all of this, God did not want to punish and allow this suffering to Job out out of evil The sovereignty of God means whatever happens in life flows from the hand of God, meaning he allows it to happen. But God being sovereign is not only that he knows it is gonna happen, but he will use it for your good. So when we talk about the sovereignty of God, it's not just God knowing. It's that he will use it for your good. And I think that's one of the greatest challenges of life. When we experience things that don't seem good at all and are tragic and are discouraging and are disappointing, how do we trust the God who says he will use it for our good even when we don't know? And that's Job's example. In closing, I want to just move quickly through how to take this in your own life with the waves of sadness that you experience. So how to deal with the waves of sadness. First, tell God how you feel. I want to encourage you, even if you battle temptation, one of the greatest things you can do is you battle temptation. If you're wanting to do something and you know you shouldn't do it, tell God that. Most of the time when we're tempted, we don't want to bring God into what we're feeling because we want to do what we want to do. And the church said, amen, right? So we kind of like compartmental. It's like, I'll come to you, God, after I've sinned. But actually, if you tell God what you feel, on the front end, he helps you, and obviously, this isn't about temptation, but the premise is the same. First Peter five: casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Your anxieties are real. You got to tell God about them. He already knows, but let him in. There's a part where like I'm not going to compartmentalize my life and just deal with this on my own. You let God know what you're feeling. If you're discouraged, if you're disappointed. If you feel stupid, if you feel full of shame and despair, you just tell God, God, I feel like this. I don't know how many car rides I've had in my life where I'm processing and I'm thinking, and I just pray, God, I'm, I'm feeling this. And maybe just even in my life, like the tears begin to flow and I'm just having this, this heart-to-heart with God. Like this is what I'm experiencing in my life. I don't know why, and I don't know where that's coming from. And God, will you help me? You have to sort that with the Lord. Why would you do that? Because the Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit to tell God how you feel. Second, ask for his help. Psalm 46, one. If you've not memorized this verse, I encourage you to. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's like a reassurance. He's present in a very real way. And he will be a refuge and a strength for you. Next, just amid our sadness, we, we have to be confident and trust that God will do us good in the future. That is trusting, again, the sovereignty of God. This flows from his hand. Nothing surprises him. He's not caught off guard. He'll use this for my good. Genesis fifty twenty. this is the story of Joseph. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. If you've not read the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis This is another great example. You have Job, you have Joseph. These are examples for us. And then finally, we need to speak the truth to ourselves. Psalm 51, it says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being as you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Actually, sorry, there's one more. Finally, refuse to give in to hopelessness. Again, we've been touching on this each week, that the refusal... So as that feeling comes, you direct it to God, God, I'm feeling hopeless, I'm feeling discouraged, I feel stuck, I don't wanna move forward in my responsibilities, you have to refuse that. The way you refuse it is you identify it and you bring it to God. God, I refuse that feeling in the name of Jesus. God, I refuse disappointment. I refuse that discouragement. I refuse that depression. What you're battling, I'm not gonna allow this to take me down a path I should not go. Proverbs 23, surely there's a future and your hope will not be cut off. There is a future. It's not maybe as desperate as it seems or as hopeless as it seems. God makes a future. So there's a lot of scriptures I've given you today. I want this to be a part of like your 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 toolbox to battle discouragement, disappointment, sadness. So if you will right now, go look at your look at that your listening guide. Go back at the scriptures that I've mentioned and star one that you think you need to to look at and memorize. Like, I need this to be on my mind, on my heart. Go ahead, just pick one today. I think that would be a help to you to identify. And as you do that, like I've done the rest of the series, I wanna just close out with hey, say, pray, obey. This is how we battle. Hey, that's the identifying uh, the emotion. I'm feeling sad. That's bringing God into what you feel. That's the hey. So always the hey. I'm bringing God into what I feel hey, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling discouraged, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling disappointed. And then you say, Psalm 42, five, hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. He's helping me right now. Then you pray, ask God, God, will you help me to do what's right and to not get into self-pity? But I wanna praise you right now. So I praise you for your help. Obey, thank God for the situation and his faithfulness. God, thank you for what I'm facing right now that I could trust in you more. I don't want to face this. I want this to be over. But Lord, help me to trust in you. And I trust that you will do me good. And blessed be your name. Think about when we put this into action, how we're following the footsteps of the faithful before us. The example of Job. The example of Joseph. And many, many people in the scriptures and many, many people in history who've decided despite Terrible circumstances and sadness, they've chosen to trust God. So I want to just encourage you. God sees you. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you will face, and he will help. So this week, let's hey, say, pray, and obey towards these things. Let's, Let's pray together right now. God, I thank you for the promise of your Scripture, which helps us. And I know that there are people here that are experiencing sadness right now. And we we join people in their sadness. We meet them. We pray with them. We, we want to be a part of the comfort that you want to bring them. But we also know that you've provided us this church so that we don't have to despair and get stuck, but that we can actually know that you are working things for our good. And so, Lord, as we feel hopeless, help us to refuse that to work towards counting the promises that we have. As we've covered a lot of scripture today, God, I pray that you will continue to speak and remind us of what's true and real of what we face. Lord, thank you for even the things that we face that are discouraging and disappointing. You're near to us and you rescue us. And we praise your holy name for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.